Hi, I'm Rich Wynn. And I'm Rebecca Nixon. And this is the PropTech Growth Podcast. Every episode, we interview an expert in the PropTech startup space, gathering their advice and expertise to help you run a successful PropTech business. I'm the portable PropTech CMO, and I help PropTech startups build and scale their commercial growth strategy. I'm Rich from Richwind Consultancy. I specialise in operations, sales and process, helping fintechs and PropTech companies to grow. I'm Carl Howard. I'm the CEO of Andrews Group. Andrews is a charitably owned estate agency group. So we work in property both on a, a consumer basis and on a corporate basis. Most of our business is helping people sell, buy, rent or let their properties. And we also help people with getting access to mortgages and life insurance. And then we have other businesses which help corporate businesses. So we, we do the property management for West Brom, for uh, the co-op, and then we, we manage uh, about 100 leasehold blocks. So that's um, blocks of leaseholder companies uh, where people have got together and formed a company to manage their own properties. And, uh, and our final business is what we call Land of New Homes, which is basically um, helping developers find land to build houses and then helping them sell the houses. We are owned by a charity. The charity is called Andrews Charitable Trust. And all of our, the, the business runs to the advantage of the charity. So one third of all of our profits get paid to the charity. So that's, that money is then used to help people who are disadvantaged or coming out of care. So we, although we are a business and we run like a conventional business, the, the charity takes the profit and uses it for charitable purposes. We think that's we're the only company in the UK like that. That's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah, I've never heard of not anything like that, but yeah, that's amazing. How, how did you get into that then? How Was it your idea? I, I don't know your background as such, so... How did you get to that point with with the company? I, I would. Uh, I, I'm not from the sector, so I took a. Uh, I saw an advert for an interim CEO to come and help with the turnaround of the company. The company was struggling and financially, and they wanted somebody who was a turnaround specialist. So, I spent most of my life doing change, and I came in to help change the. Company. <laughs> Um, in terms of performance and then transforming it for the future. So it was really just a job that was on LinkedIn. And then as soon as I started to talk to the people here and hear about the charity, I was hooked. So in, in our sector, um, property, there is a what I would say is a, a sort of deficit of trust. So if, if you look at any measure of trust in any industry, then you can look at kind of who the most trusted are and who the least trusted are. And so in retail, for example, John Lewis and Wayne are considered the most trustworthy organizations. And they score something like 41 out. Whereas if you look at other sectors like journalists, politicians, estate agents, they're the least trusted. Yeah, and Andrews operates in a sector where trust is and the average for the sector is something like 50. As a charity or a business owner, we have a set of values which are very different. We're much more closely aligned to ECOR or ESG. 
And so what we have the opportunity to do is to make our ownership a USP and to really use that USP to drive our agenda and to drive trust. Because I think if we get trust, then we get a really good brand. And our brand then allows us to do things to build business, but also to help help people in the wide in wider society in terms of solving the housing crisis and things like that. And have you found so far that works? Because obviously it sounds great, and other people may have a not similar thing may say around core values and things like that. Have you found that as a USP and something that you act on, it, it does help your business? Is it something that other businesses should look at? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I suppose, it's horses for courses. Clearly, different people have different outlooks. We are lucky in that we are owned by a charitable trust. And so our values are essentially top down. Um, we have three values as a company. One is that we treat each treat every customer as if they're our only customer. The second is that we value all our people. And then the third is that we believe in giving back. And that's very clearly for our people as a tie back to the charity. And that's it. The, the, those are the three values. And in parallel, what you've said is we our ambition is to be the most trusted and admired in the in the sector. So the most trusted and admired estate agency in property business. And because trust is so low, there's a real opportunity to be different and use that differentiation in terms of acquiring and building customer relationships. But when you talk to people about what it's like to buy or sell a house, to house, this issue of reliability, trust, honesty becomes quite important. And when you survey the market and look at most businesses, they don't share those that, that dynamic. So. Andrews has a unique opportunity to be trusted because of its values, because of its ownership. A lot of organizations are publicly listed, so they're on the stock market, or they are privately owned, but they have a purely very directly profit motive. Now profit motive is about helping the charity so we can do things differently. Um, now I'd love for this to become a sector that's synonymous with trust. Um, trust is massively low at the moment in in the property sector, and it would help me. It would help Andrews if everybody did the same. But on another level, it's the thing that we can do which makes them different. If somebody works with Andrews, we want them to feel trust that they can trust us and that we're honest. And if our competitors don't do that, then that makes us better. And that's a shot. Yeah, that's yeah. Obviously. Uh, really admirable I think it's great and they're synonymous aren't they sort of recruitment consultants and estate agents are probably right down there as the least trusted people which considering what estate agents actually do it, sh it shouldn't be they should be one of the most trusted I was a mortgage broker for 15 16 years like again trust is so important in that industry but I think because it's regulated and we'll maybe come on to that question later because it's regulated and it's very he heavily regulated there's no free market really to speak of i think it's easier in financial services to be trusted because you have all those sort of you can go to the fca and then the ombudsman and everybody else if you're not happy so on trust and i think it's a really interesting thing sort of coming but obviously we're the prop tech growth podcast so prop tech is, is something that both myself and rebecca deal with on a day-to-day -day and have clients and all that sort of stuff has how has PropTech 
if it has helped or changed or anything within Andrews. How, how do you see tech now as a, a on the trust side as well? If something's giving you data, for example, a Sprift or a Property Deals Insight is giving you data, and that data can't be contested because it's from land registry or whatever, that then gives you more trust. So have you found that with PropTech or have you found that it's not consistent enough for you to trust it and then therefore pass that trust on to your consumers? So my view on PropTech and technology and I come from, my, most of my career has been financial services. And so um, FinTech as a phenomenon and a driver of changing the industry is quite familiar with PropTech is analogous. Um, one of the things I was responsible for in the past uh, when I was at HSBC was launching mobile banking. So what we've seen in that industry is a very rapid change of consumer behavior driven by social trends and the availability of simple and easy technology. So nowadays, most people bank on a phone rather than in a branch. And I, I was surprised, if I'm entirely honest, at how little the, the industry had moved on in the same way. I think property, whilst there clearly are people building businesses centered on property and trying to make the whole ecosystem more effective, I, I, I just I don't think it's followed quite the same curve as some sectors. And the opportunity is still immense for anybody that gets that right. We sell houses and we, we support landlords in renting in letting houses. And there is no, as far as I can tell, people are doing things, but there's no ubiquitous solution there, which makes that whole experience better for the customer. I think we, one of the things that struck me in the sort of mid, around about 2014 was we're moving to a world where with social media, with discoverability, we're effectively dealing with hyper-transparency. As a, as a society, you can't do something today and not expect it to be discovered. With that hyper-transparency comes accountability and also comes a, a very quick feedback on your values. So if you say our values are this, and then you do something which is entirely incongruous, that becomes discovered very quickly and becomes a PR issue for you. And so I think it drives society and it drives businesses to be both virtuous, but also transparent. And I think in parallel, technology has a role in changing the customer experience in buying and renting and letting the house. And I don't think we're anywhere near the end of that journey. Andrews has a, an ecosystem of technology suppliers, some of whom are relatively transactional, and some of whom are more strategic. But that ecosystem is not as well-developed as it could be in terms of integration. I, I have a sense that a lot of suppliers are looking at ways that they can build a platform. And through that platform, they can access customer data. And they can then monetize that customer data and try and lock the uh, business in. But th there's not been anybody that's emerged in the way that you know, we think back to Rightmove and Zoopla. Rightmove and Zoopla now effectively have cornered a market there in terms of their access to that part of the value chain. But nobody's really done that 
in quite the same way in terms of customer experience. So I think there's a, there's a big gap in terms of how do we transform the customer experience of somebody that's selling a house, somebody that's buying a house, somebody that wants better property as a landlord. There's a huge amount that we can do there, but nobody's really stepped into that space in a convincing way. So I think the opportunity for PropTech is huge, but I'm not sure yet that I've seen anybody solving the big problems. Okay, that's really interesting. Let's come back on that. And Key Life, Adam, uh, Adam Piggott, as, as they've, um, I can't remember, is it Open Bricks? They're actually called the company. They've brought that out recently. We did a podcast with him. That, that looks really good. And I think they're trying to get the whole from start to finish tenancy side of thing in, in place. I don't know how far off the ground. I know there's some integrations in there that they held it back to get more integrations. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's lots of people who are endeavouring to come up with the killer app in that space. And that's not me. I haven't done an extensive study and it's not me saying that there aren't doing good things. I think what I'm saying is I don't see anybody that's become ubiquitous in the way that so I, I'm staying in Bath this week and I, I found a place through Airbnb and I booked it through the app. I communicated with the, the owner of the property through the app and got the check-in details. I could read the house rules. I found the property and then I checked in. And all of that I did without really have, having to physically engage with anything other than the phone. And that kind of convenience, I think, is becoming increasingly effective by consumers, particularly young consumers, in everything that they do, buying decisions. If I go on Deliveroo and I want to have five guys' burgers delivered, I can get that delivered to my house, and I can even tip the, the delivery guy without having to touch any physical money. And, and, and that kind of customer experience and convenience is great. It works in, it works in Airbnb, booking.com for, for accommodation. You know, this idea that I can rate a buyer or a seller, I can rate a, somebody that rents my property and the, the person that rented it to them. That kind of transparency, it drives up customer experience. And I, and I don't think we've yet reached a ubiquitous solution for that in property. And from Andrew's point of view, as a brand, and a brand that aspires to be the most trusted and admired in the sector, what I'm looking for is things that allow us to drive up the customer experience in a way that other customers can see that and feel comfortable with it. Trustpilot is a great mechanism for understanding what the average experience is with a business. And it's building that, but building it into an app in a way that becomes a very transparent measure of quality. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think it's interesting, and I'll lead on to uh, Rebecca with this. I think we've seen one of the real issues with PropTech, because there are some amazing solutions out there, but maybe no one knows about them because they don't know how to market themselves or because they're about to run out of cash and so they're just trying to get small sales where they can to try and keep going for, for another six months sort of thing. So I, I guess, Rebecca, from your point of view, yeah, marketing side, we know there's an issue there because of the amount of clients that you've got over a short period of time. Maybe because prop techs will come and say agents are too slow to adopt these technologies, but actually you're coming back with Carl and saying, actually, I don't think there's anything out there that's quite 
right an, an overall thing where we don't have to obviously you've got your crms and you can plug stuff in and get some stuff out but there's nobody really sticking their hand up and saying we've got a solution that is going to not just reduce time but it's going to save you money and it's going to be you know great for the consumer so a lot of that because there are so many prop techs out there that would do something like that or have things like that are they just not marketed well enough to the estate agency community that you know that they're out there yeah i, I, I think that's I mean, that's the the nature of the beast isn't it into startup world you can uh, it, it depends on your outlook and your culture at the end of the day though if you have a great proposition what you that's only a part of the puzzle you've got to have a route to market it's like the old saying that you can build a better mousetrap but you're not necessarily going to sell it what what you've got to do is to find the customer and the distributor that's going to use your proposition in a way which gives you scale and i've seen a lot of that in a lot of industries whereby um the startups just are devoid of the experience or the skill set or in some cases the resource to to actually just go out and develop their business by building building those relationships I've, I've had i've been here since uh, july last year i took over as ceo in october so eight months into the job and in that time i've had three pitches i've had two product pitches for for andrews to adopt a proposition or a product from established manufacturers and i've had one prop tech pitch so we had a we had a, a meeting here with with an organization in our boardroom and we shared views on what customers need uh, whether that's corporate or I, I think the the challenge here is the that there's lots of people solving problems but nobody's solving the bigger problem in the way that an airbnb or a delivery might and what I'm hoping to see over time is that those sorts of solutions are developed in order to bring the relationships between customer and the, the business together. So take, for example, landlords and tenants. There's a big, if you look at the media today, there's a, the media has a big downer on landlords. There's lots of negative rhetoric and it's almost like a feeding frenzy. But the reality is, as a society, we need houses for people to be able to rent. And so what we need to do is to be bringing landlords and tenants together and doing it in a way which creates a parent relationship rather than a parent child. I, I think an app, an application that allows you to do that in the way that Airbnb does for the, the short term letting sector could be really powerful in terms of establishing relationships and transparency. I get to see my terms of business, I get to see the payments I'm making, the fees that I'm paying, and that really builds awareness. And, and then in time, you can add other functionality around the ability to report um, problems with the property, the ability to update what's being done about it. But at the minute, I, I, I don't see that in a ubiquitous sense. And, and I think a lot of our Andrews customers, we tend to, because of our brand and because of our charitable ownership, we tend to attract people who over-index on social responsibility. But by and large, they're people who are, they want to do the right thing. We over-index to a degree on younger people, Generation Z and Y, people who are more naturally inclined to be socially conscious. And those are the same people who are buying their takeout from uh, delivery, they're booking an apartment for a weekend on Airbnb. 
and their expectations of what technology could do are set by those experiences. And I just don't, I don't think at the moment anybody's really doing that in a compelling way. No, I think you're right. I agree. As somebody who recent, relatively recently bought a house and went through that experience, it was quite shocking to see how archaic and backwards it was. And you're right, there doesn't seem to be anyone addressing the entire... I wonder if it's a matter of complexity. It's a complex ecosystem with a lot of moving parts and a lot of involved parties. And there are a lot of really interesting prop tech startups addressing different pieces of the puzzle, as you say. And it's then the responsibility then gets put on people like yourself, for example, to piece together the puzzle or even if we're talking about just prop tech in general, the CRMs have put on them to build an ecosystem of apps and plugins that can fulfill all of the functionality of the customer. And yeah, it doesn't seem like anyone's taking on the whole big picture at once. They're, I don't know, are we asking too much of people to do that? Is that going to just result in a poor quality experience across loads of different touch points or will it be more integrated and therefore a better experience for the customer i uh, my, my personal view and I, you know, it's just my opinion and i come from outside property to have a different perspective I, I just think the industry is lagging in terms of its adoption of consumer facing technology i think there's you've clearly got disruptors in the way that bricks and yopa have sought to disrupt with an online model and there is a degree of digitization as part of the experience, but the estate agency sector as a whole is a very fragmented industry in the sense that we've got thousands of state agencies with just one principal. And then at the other end, you've got big, big organizations with a thousand branches and tens of thousands of staff. And, and because of that fragmented nature, what you don't see is solutions emerging that solve the problem. And I think it's incumbent on the larger players to be thinking about what kind of technology solution can we innovate to make this easier for people. You're right though, this is a sector that is fraught with complexity. Some of that complexity is by necessity. So you don't want to buy a house that's got problems that you aren't aware of. And so there are legal requirements. It's an awful lot of what we do though, which is basically just to and fro communication between vendors and buyers. And a lot of organizations, and at times ourselves included, we're not getting that right. We're missing calls. There's a lot of frustration, a lot of aggravation. And I think the sector as a whole lags in terms of the quality of its customer experience. When I, when I think about customer experience, I've, I've almost discounted, and I don't say this in a, I'm not being dismissive, I think there are people doing good things out there. But I want Andrews to benchmark itself against the best in all sectors, not just the best in our sector. I used to work at HS, HSBC and First Direct. First Direct for many years was considered to the, be the best customer experience from the bank. And it was largely phone and digital. I, I would consider First Direct as a benchmark, maybe Monzo too. And then if I thought about retail, I aspire to be like John Lewis or a, a Waitrose in terms of the proposition, they would consider it. I don't want to benchmark myself or our business against 
people within our industry because I don't think anybody's particularly getting it wrong. It's a really interesting point to make and I know you've only been there for a, a few months but again staff is a massive thing and certainly on the from a prop tech side your first one or two hires getting those right is so key and for you how I assume they do but do your staff buy into all of this is that sort of part one of the key sort of things that you need that they literally buy into your culture and values because they need to then from a customer experience point of view they need to pass that on to the customer and show where you are so i think that in this certainly in the startup space when you just want you've got six months of runway and you just want to get it done so not values go out the window but that's something that maybe isn't as high up on the the scale or certainly a marketable value that they they want to bring forward it is more about survival obviously we deal with longer prop techs that have been around a lot longer as well but staffing is is hard in prop tech and again the sort of second bit to this question is are, are the best people leaving the industry because of fees or not getting paid enough what's been your uh, andrews how have you sort of caveat not caveated but how have you done things with that that to stop that basically because you're getting less sales you've got one percent fee in general across the board to sell like there is only so much that you can pay your agents whereas those people can go into you know financial services or go into recruitment or go into something else and ultimately get paid more for doing the same and maybe without having to work saturdays so how is it really for your staff is it all about that buy-in that keeps them there or do you see because we've seen so many people changing jobs at the moment how do you get past that i know there's about 20 questions in there but if you pick one and see where it takes you i'll try and so for me this is the heart andrews is a brand and it operates in a sector where there aren't really many brands so there are some i'd question what those brands stand for so if you looked at estate agency generally and looked at the brands in the sector, it's difficult to articulate what their value proposition is. So we're setting out on what I think is the harder path, which is to build a brand by associating the business and the brand with a customer experience. And so our customer value proposition is we want to be trusted and admired and to do things in the right way and have honest dialogue with our customers because we think in the long term that builds trust and that trust then allows us to create our brand and and that's quite a hard path to set on when you've got lots of small competitors all operating sort of small one person two person businesses and we are i draw i talk a lot at andrews with our teams and our leadership team about parallels in other industry so I'm a big fan of Domino's Pizza and I'm a particular fan of Premier Inn. And what I mean by that is you may or may not like Premier Inn's hotels, not for everybody. What you can say with absolute certainty is if you book one in Glasgow or one in Southport or one in, I don't know, Bolton, and you turn up having paid about £60, you're going to get pretty much the same experience wherever you go. And their proposition is about fluffy white duvets, friendly staff, and a 25 pound meal dinner. 
and it's easy to articulate and it's easy to they've managed to replicate it i don't think it's easy to replicate it's obviously part of their operating model if you buy domino's pizza even though there are maybe a thousand franchisees basically when you buy the domino's pizza you get the same thing wherever you go and I, I, I'm not suggesting that selling houses is selling pizzas. What, what I am saying here is our, our ambition is to create a compelling value proposition for our customers, something that they really value and prepared to pay for, that builds trust and then allows us to, in return, to build our brand. And what that means is, firstly, we need to have a real clear blueprint of what, what it is that we do when we buy it when we sell a house when we value a house when we work with landlords what is our proposition and what the customers paying for it and then we need to be really industrialized at the back end in terms of how we bring that to life so that blueprinting and that kind of having clarity of what it is we're doing is really important and then on top of that what you've got to do is you've got to layer your people and your culture in such a way that it reinforces rather than undermines. We tend to recruit people against a value in as much as a skill set. We're looking for attitude rather than aptitude quite often. And we're looking for people that can be very good in terms of managing customer experience. We don't do this for all roles because clearly some of our roles are quite specific and quite qualifications. We do, though, quite often take people from organisations with a reputation for customer experience. We've got some people in our business who used to work in coffee shops. Because if you're on the till at a coffee shop, you live and die by your ability to engage your customers. And, and that kind of building rapport, managing experience, when you layer that on top of, of a, a very strong underlying operating model, then you can deliver consistency. So Andrews is aiming to deliver a very clear value proposition towards trust and to do it through a mixture of quality of process and people that can do customer experience. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And it, again, there's no reason why you can't have that as a startup company or whatever. You can set out your company however you want to do it and, and do that. I think just for you, Rebecca, just touching on brands, again, for prop tech in general not just startups it's so lacking i think in in this particular sector it'd be interesting to take get your take on both how branding in the state agency and also branding in in the prop techs yeah sure so i think one of the major issues that brands in both sectors are having is uh, around their value proposition just as you said carl they don't tend to be super compelling or customer centric it tends to be very much about themselves. It's a consistent issue that I'm seeing across dozens of different brands that make they're making the mistake of talking about their technology or their product or their service at great length and in great detail, but not starting off on the right foot with a value proposition. And they'll often be under the misguided apprehension that a value proposition can be we save you time and money. Guess what? Everyone says that. And on the agency side, it's we give great customer service. They all say that. But how many of them are actually delivering it and proving that they're delivering it? And the sort of levels of transparency that you're talking about, Carl, are around 
sharing the experiences that have been had by the customers that have had these positive, engaging, really caring interactions and using that as leverage to further promote the brand, get more customers and it becomes this very healthy, positive cycle. And I do try to do this with prop techs as well, because the number of times that I speak to a prop tech startup that has, they might only have five customers, but I'll ask them, how many of those customers have you interviewed to just five minutes, 15 minutes over a cup of coffee to ask them why they love your product and the value that they get out of it and how it could benefit other people? most of them have never taken the time to do that because they don't recognize the value that has in terms for the of their value proposition i think what you're doing in terms of setting a really high standard for customer experience and customer centricity is exactly the kind of example that PropTech should be following so that they can be successful too well, I, I agree i think the reality is from the business point of view that's a recipe for success in pretty much any sector, isn't it? A lot of organizations, either through culture or being busy, neglect the, the heart of what the business is, which is about providing a proposition to a customer. I think a lot of big organizations as well, and I've worked in some of the biggest, like HSBC, Barclays, Prudential. When you get to a certain size, it becomes about a bureaucracy to maintain, yes, manage risk uh, rather than to deliver experience. And as a starter, you're probably in a, in a sort of different position, which is you have the ability to see whether you're delivering good customer experience, but you may be too busy to focus on it. And so the, the challenge for me, for Andrews, for our leadership team is to, because we are a medium-sized company, so we have about 340 people, and I can know all of them, so I can talk to 340 people sometimes I do. If I'm HSBC with 100,000 people or however many people it is, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to hold those people in, you know, in, in, in this kind of sense of customer experience, which is why First Direct, which I saw firsthand when I was at HSBC, is really interesting because it's big, but they still managed to retain this ethos of the customer is at the heart of everything. And, and that's where that's essentially where Andrews is trying to play. It's trying to say, we don't want to be the biggest. We don't need to be number one. We need to be profitable and we need to be the most trusted and admired. And everything that we do, whether it's culture, the way that we construct our recruitment, how we pay people, we try and drive customer experience into the, into that, into the center of that. We are. At, we're then taking it beyond that. The customer experience ought to be something that anybody can get right with the right focus. So any one of my competitors could get customer experience if they wanted to go beyond that. We want to get values right. So we are we're on a path from a in a recent history we would have been a relatively sales oriented company. We're moving from sales focused to customer focused. And then fairly quickly from customer focus to values driven. So because we are owned by a charity and we have a strong set of values, we can put the values at the heart of the customer experience. And so we can appeal to 
potential and actual customers who are looking for what I would consider an ethical estate agency, somebody that does things well with integrity and treats customers how they should be treated. And, and that's surprisingly rare, I think, in, in this sector, in a lot of sectors. Banking um, that has parallels in that when you get very big, it becomes very difficult to consistently deliver that cut that values-driven customer experience. Andrew's Charitable Trust has a long heritage. It was formed by a gentleman called Cecil Jackson Cole, and he started Andrew's in 1946. And his desire uh, as a businessman was to be philanthropic and to do things to the benefit of society. So as well as starting Andrew's, uh, he also started a number of charities, including uh, Oxfam. So he was one of the founders of Oxfam. And I, I think from memory also started Help the Aged, which is now part of Age Concern. So one of his things was he, he, he'd run a successful business. He was a, an accomplished businessman. And then what he would do is he would use money and resource uh, to, to actually support charitable activity. And obviously we know Oxfam today is a huge, it's a huge, a huge endeavor, a huge enterprise. But that was the ethos against which Andrews was formed. Basically, he set the company up. And the way that the company works is when we make a profit, that profit is shared. And a third of it goes to the charity. A third of it is reinvested in the business to support growth. And the final third is distributed to the employees. So it's a very positive shareholder construct. And all of the money that goes to the shareholder is used to support charities which are operating in, in aligned spaces. One of the big things that we have is this program we call Establish. And Establish was created three, four years ago with the intent of having one property for every one of our branches that houses people who come out of care. So if you're 16 to 25 and you're in the care system, and you're emerging from that system without some of the life skills to be successful. What Andrews does is it makes available properties in uh, various locations for people to, to adjust to living independently. So we, we have um, premises where we house people who are young care leavers and we work with charities to help those people become accustomed and integrated into society. Um, it's a really powerful dynamic and we also have other charities in similar sectors both in the uk and, uh, and and abroad so we have a work with a charity in nepal called child rescue nepal and that's about trying to improve the fortunes of children all of the charities that we engage with are trying to help people often in ways associated with housing and, and i think andrews has a strong heritage there Historically, as a business, though, we've not been particularly good. And I'm talking about that as part of our business proposition. There's been a sort of sense historically that, well, that's charity and we're a business. And so we don't need to join the dots. And, and the reality is, I think in, in, in 2023, many consumers now are starting to prioritize purchases based on what is it that the, the company does with the profits that it makes. And, and a desire to work with or buy from, excuse me, a desire to work with and buy from companies that do the right thing for society. And that kind of social purpose or social conscience 
I think we're seeing that come through more and more in by decision making. So particularly it's all age groups, but particularly prevalent in Generation Z and Generation Y. We've lived through an era where um, people are much more acutely aware of social injustice, of climate change and the impact of climate change on society, on the need to help people in who are less fortunate. And I think that's coming through now generation, generationally in consumers. And, and so our proposition increasingly is, you know, everyone wins. Uh, our current marketing campaign talks about this idea that buy, buy with Andrews and everyone wins. So not only do you get a great house and you get good accommodation, but actually your money, part of your part of your fee goes to the charity and the charity uses it to support you know, people less fortunate. And, and I, I think that's very much of, of, of our times. 20 years ago, that was probably something that nobody felt was of any real uh, merit. But now, I think as a buyer, as a consumer, and I want to know that the people that I'm engaging with are doing the right thing. They're doing it for honest reasons. But the other aspect to it, which we're exploring now, is obviously in corporate, in the corporate world, people talk about ESG, environment, social governance, I'm attracted by the idea of becoming a B Corp. I don't know if you're familiar with B Corp. B Corp is about doing things in the right way in every aspect of your business. So how you pay your people, how you work with suppliers, how you deal with the environment. And, and actually to get B Corp accreditation, you have to be doing everything in the right way. And, and I want Andrews to be on a path to becoming B Corp accredited because I think it chimes really well with our social purpose and our, our charitable status. And I, I think increasingly that's the way that people are expecting all businesses to operate. So I want to be ahead of that curve and I want Andrews to be you know, providing leadership to the industry uh, in the way that it operates. And that will mean in time some difficult decisions. Now, we might be working with suppliers or customers whose values are very different. And, and that gives us some dilemmas. So if we have a supplier who is owned by a very kind of driven private equity organization, and they're about profit, their primary driver, then Andrews is looking to be profitable, but do it with integrity. And, and that might mean that we need to review our suppliers to, to work with different people. But I think in doing that, that would allow us to drive change in the ecosystem. To, to make sure that more and more of the, uh, you know, the services to customers are done in an ethical way. And, and that, that's a really interesting thing for me. So I think we, we want to be a B Corp and in the fullness of time, that's that's where we're aiming to get to. I should introduce my plant, by the way. This is Prometheus. So, Prometheus. Uh, when I first started, the business was struggling. And I wanted to change person to try and get people to understand the importance of the customer. And so we created this change program to move to what, what we call a customer-led model. And I needed a name for it. And I'm I'm a bit over dramatic. So I decided to call it Project Prometheus. Prometheus being the Greek guy that gave fire to man. And so this whole metaphor that we the program was bringing fire to the organization in the area of customer experience. And at the time we had somebody working for us that was really into plants. 
and that lady was doing a, um, like a plant sale so i bought this really small plant it was like two leaves just down here wow and I, I decided to call it prometheus as a metaphor for the business mm -hmm. as you can see it's uh you know, it's coming it's, along beautifully it's coming along really well and it, don't get uh, me started on plants we'll be here all day <laughs> I mean, this is all, i'm not a, a horticulturalist or anything like that i'm reliably told that this is a chinese money plant and it, it really is thriving at the moment and i don't know i keep i keep watering it and i have a team that helped me with it but it's a metaphor for the change that we're going through. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I'm a fan. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for joining us on the PropTech Growth Podcast. To learn more, you can find us on LinkedIn or email proptechpodcast at icloud.com. See you next time. <laughs>